Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's episode, we talk Vanderbilt basketball with our hoops writer, Sam Phelan. Vanderbilt has beaten Dayton and advanced to the quarterfinals of the NIT. So we'll talk with Sam about that and look a little forward to the matchup on Tuesday night with Xavier. Sam Phelan joins us. Sam's our basketball writer. Been a couple of weeks since we could catch up with Sam because he's been on spring break. But Sam, a lot's happened since we last spoke. Vanderbilt making a little bit of a postseason run in the NIT and has uh, capped it off thus far with a pretty exciting game against Dayton yesterday. Yeah, Chris, uh, I think, you know, we kind of had a feeling this might be something that could happen if Vanderbilt had found a way style of basketball that they've played uh, recently and down the stretch, obviously, in the SEC tournament. But very refreshing to see not only get into the NIT, but then a few big victories over Belmont uh, in the crosstown rivalry there. But then also, as you said, against a really good Dayton team that you probably could argue should have made the NCAA tournament. Um, and just a really strong performance to run here that adds a little bit more credibility to uh, Jerry Stackhouse and what he's building within the program. What did you make, and let's go back a little bit first before we get to Dayton, uh, of the way they played in the SEC tournament, because we haven't got a chance to speak about that. Yeah, Chris, I mean, it was a frustrating a frustrating thing from my perspective, it's kind of something that I've been saying for a little bit now, is that I've I've been holding to the opinion that Vanderbilt is an NCAA tournament team just in the caliber of their their skill level right now um, and how they've played recently. You just look at a team that has beat basically everybody that they've needed to in the SEC and then Anytime they've gone up against some of the top-tier SEC competition, these teams that we're seeing uh, in the tournament over the, this past weekend, they've been playing, they were playing them tight. Um, and so, you know, you get the blowout win over Georgia, you beat Alabama, who got a sixth seed in the tournament, and then playing Kentucky down to the wire. Uh, but it's frustrating because you just didn't have that same group and that same resume at the beginning of the season. So it was a little too little too late. But I do think they did enough to really, one, show that they belonged in the NIT tournament and then show that they could do some damage because they're capable of hanging with the best teams in the country. So it's a little irritating. You know, you watch it and you think, man, what could have been if we had this for a full season or had played a little bit better in some of these winnable games? But then it's also encouraging to see them playing more competitive basketball in March and making a little bit of a run. Well, it seems like they want to be there. And it seems like, frankly, a lot of these power conference teams want to be there. Sometimes the NIT is the, the place where you, you go because you get invited and what else you're going to do. And you get players on teams that are looking forward to spring break or whatever else. But you look at the bracket so far. I mean, Texas A&M processed its disappointment pretty well and has moved on to the the last eight standing, the quarterfinals. Virginia's there. Uh, St. Bonaventure's another team that was bubble for a while. Xavier was very bubble. Uh, you know, BYU was a team that was on the bubble. Wake Forest was on a team that was on the bubble. It's funny to see all these teams that you saw in the NCAA tournament discussion in this event still standing, and not, and not to mention a Vandy team that, like you said, for its own reasons, 
uh, is probably that caliber of team as well. Yeah, and Vandy is definitely embracing the opportunity too, Chris. It's very easy, like you mentioned, to get left off of the NCAA tournament bracket and, and look at every other opportunity and just kind of shrug your shoulders at it, not take full advantage of it. But I think really for Jerry Stackhouse understands how important this is towards his program and building a little bit of credibility under his name as the head coach. Then for some of these guys too, this Scotty Pippins, the Rodney Chapman, this might be their last little go of things in college. They want to end this on a positive note and they're taking this, opportunity to continue playing together as a team that hasn't had too many opportunities this season. Chapman had two long injury stints with his hamstring and uh, Liam Robbins missed the first 20 games of the season and they're all together and I think they're just riding this out trying to play loose trying to have fun and trying to see where it can take them to see if they can end this Vanderbilt season on a positive note uh, making some memories. Sam before we get back into the here and now I did not hear it. Someone on the message board at Vandy Sports made reference to it. Apparently, Pippen, when he talked about the end of his career, left it a little bit more open than he had previously excuse me, previously said in terms of returning to Vanderbilt next year. Did you hear that? What did you take away from it if you did? Yeah, I mean, that was the original thought, right? That he had said he was going to go pro or go pursue other options. The SEC tournament, I know he had made comments about um, he hadn't made a, made any decision yet regarding his future. Uh, he kind of left it more open-ended, a little bit more obscure as to what his plans were. And even as recently as uh, the Dayton game, after the game, Jerry Stackhouse was asked about how important it was for to play this way and for Scotty to play as he did his last home game. Uh, even Zach was kind of shying away from it, and he said, look, Scotty's a junior. As far as I know, he'll be back next year playing for the Commodores, and I'm planning on that until somebody tells me otherwise. So I think maybe he has had a little bit of a change of heart from what we've seen in the past, but definitely some luck in being there a little bit. We're starting to see late in the season what this team is capable of and realize that if he comes back next year, there's an even bigger opportunity for him to cement his uh, Vanderbilt legacy and maybe improve some of his professional draft stack. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, um, you know, as, as much as I didn't think he had much to play for coming back next year, I'm starting to feel it a little bit more that he does. It seemed like it's a team that's having fun playing together. It seems like it's a team that is gelling and getting better. It seems like it's a team that's got some chemistry um, and you look at that, and if they get him and if they get Robbins and Laura Brown next year, you're seeing some other guys fall into place. Jordan Wright had a fantastic two-game run until yesterday. Miles Studi does Miles Studi things, which include um, hitting three-pointers and some other things. Um, I feel like you know Vanderbilt might need another piece in the portal, although I don't know how, how many openings there are or there would be, and you got freshmen coming in too, maybe those guys can help or maybe not. But I feel like I feel like if they get that core of those five guys back, being Pippins, Robin, Studi, Wright, and Melora Brown, to me that's probably an NCAA tournament team, barring something else weird happening elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I would 100% agree. You know, you kind of, with Pippin, 
are left with a lot of question marks that we've gone over, Chris, just about, you know, who's going to be that leading scorer, who's going to be your ball handler, who's going to be the uh, floor general kind of controlling a lot of this. But with him back in the mix, if they were to bring him back, then you start looking at even more chemistry built between these guys, hopefully a little bit more development and maybe a little bit of for some of the younger guys to come in. A guy like Noah Shelby can come in and learn from Scotty Pippen Jr. about, you know, what it takes to be successful as the point guard at Vanderbilt and uh, a little bit less pressure on him because he'll be in a smaller role. So, I, I mean, I would agree with you. I think if he comes back and you're bringing back those bigs, that is the core of their offense, if we're being honest. You know, Jordan Wright does a lot of things well sometimes. Studi, um, great shooter from the outside, can get you some microwave scoring. And, you know, I've been Rodney Chapman's biggest fan since he arrived at Vandy, but I think the core of that offense is being able to run with Quentin Malone and uh, have a pick and roll to either side of Scotty and just let him put the ball in Scotty's hands and let him create, whether that's a shot or a shot for somebody else. Um, that's the bread and butter of their offense. If that's back, you have to feel really good about their chance to, to make a, a better postseason push next year. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody's getting it mixed up, but if they were, yesterday is a reminder of whose team this was. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a question, Jordan Wright had a couple fantastic games, and you know, I was pretty critical of Scotty and his performance in the uh, game against Kentucky in the SEC tournament. And uh, um, I can box score and see how he had a rough night for himself, but he showed last night just how how he is the heart and soul of this team, and specifically this offense. And to be able to put up over thirty points again and seven assists, and um, down the stretch when they needed it, it, it was uh, pip and take over time. And it's still his team, and it's going to be his team as long as he wants it to be his team, and as long as he continues to wear the black and gold. What else stood out to you about yesterday in the win over Dayton? Oh, man. Well, for one, I thought that was one of the more interesting second halves I've ever seen in a a basketball game that I've been to. Just I wrote about recently in uh, post-game write-up, Chris, but there was a moment in that game where seven, eight minutes of the second half had passed by, and no team was scoring more than once down the floor. If they scored a basket, they gave up a basket. And it was going back and forth for seven, eight minutes and 10, 11 trips down the floor. It was, it really was the epitome of back and forth basketball. Um, but I, the biggest thing for me was the way Vanderbilt finished that game and was able to bounce back from a little bit of adversity. Something that we've been overly critical about the Commodores for is you know, kind of how they've been able to finish down the stretch. And they had their moments of looking too hot, but specifically at the free throw line, missing uh, all four of their free throws within the final minute and 30 seconds. But just the uh, the composure to be able to deliver that ball to Quentin Moore Brown, get that late basket, get a defensive stop without fouling. And then uh, Liam Robbins, after having a terrible game and getting – eaten alive down low all night long, stepping up with two offensive rebounds and a putback in overtime and then a clutch block at the end as well, really speaks to just his tenacity and mindset. And uh, Jerry Stackhouse ranted about that too after the game. Liam practiced all week this week, dealing with some stuff with ankle. Uh, So he was kind of coming 
rusty to the Dayton game and got on the floor and it showed, you know, he was, uh, he was getting bullied down low and they were going right after him attacking the paint, but he uh, stayed in the game, kept his head in it and ended up showing up in the time that mattered most to secure a victory. So kudos to Liam for that. And it, I think it's a testament to the player he is. Yeah. And I know you didn't get to see it cause you're on spring break, but we haven't done a podcast in a while. I thought that, uh, I thought Jordan Wright was really good. I mean, he had the best two stretch, two game stretch of his career. He got 27 points against Belmont. I think he had 24 against Kentucky. Hardly missed a shot between the two games. And um, again, Jordan Wright on a good team is your third or fourth guy. But but he showed up uh, and and really showed that he's got a chance to be better than that when that team needs him. And I think that was a big key because without that, they're not here at this point where they're still playing. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Jordan, too, is just going to be consistency going forward. We obviously know after seeing it so many times now what exactly what he's capable of, and he can be a pretty special player when everything goes right. For him, it's just going to be a little bit more of the consistency of taking good shots and playing within his role. You know, he's, he the problem is that he can go really cold and only make one basket like he did against Dayton, and if he's going to be Scotty's playing guy next season and that number two score again in the offense, uh, he has to be able to answer that bell night in and night out. If they want to have the good enough resume they need in order to make the NCAA tournament and do some damage in it, because you can't take days off uh, in the SEC and you definitely can't in March. But I, I agree with you. I think Gordon's been, I think, definitely think he played his best two games in the Vanderbilt uniform back to back when they needed it most. And, uh, very, very impressive performance to not only score, but to be as efficient and um, decisive as he was with the basketball. Let's go into the mailbag. That's sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Harley Hog 44 says, this has to help recruiting. What names are you hearing for 2023? Uh, with names going into the portal, do they wait till after the tournament to see who has interest or get someone now? Um, that, that's that's a lot of far-off questions, and you're not our recruiting guy. That's Sean Williams. I'd have to ask him. Uh, but, look, th- this this can't hurt. 
And if you've got any thoughts on the portal on what they might add, you know, this will probably be the day that a lot of people jump in. Uh, anything that, that might address any of that, again, that's a tough question for you to bite off, but have at it if you've got something there. Well, I mean, I, I think the question is correct that this has to help recruiting. I think that was a big reason why a lot of fans and a lot of coaches were talking about the NIT as something they wanted to happen. Is, and I, I've mentioned a few times the word accountability because I like I just think as a program, if you're in the house, go into living rooms trying to bring transfers in, trying to bring recruits in, you want to feel like you have something of note to to offer people. When you can look at an NIT run and say, look good we are against these teams that right on the outside of that bubble. This is how competitive we can be, and we can even go to the next level if we're fully healthy and we bring you in and what you can bring to this. I think that starts to be really attractive. You know, a team is in the bottom of the SEC and doesn't make any postseason tournaments is not a destination too many recruits want to go. But if Jerry Stackhouse wants to continue to bring in strong recruiting classes like the one we have in 2022, these are the types of performances and improvements into their into the program as a whole that he has to keep on putting out there. And uh, no, Craig, I, I mean I don't have any names in in terms of the uh, uh, a specific name for recruiting in the portal, but um, I, I do think as well a lot of the portal is going to have to do with what Scotty does. I think if you bring Scotty back, you know, you might not be looking as much into the backcourt knowing that you have Noah Shelby coming in and you still have Tyron Lawrence and Shane Dizoni and you feel good about what you have in the backcourt then. But uh, there's any parts. I think that'll be something that they immediately hit as somebody who more than just a perimeter shooter, but a dynamic who might, and maybe you sacrifice defense for that. But I think you can't really do too much in the portal until you see what the roster looks like in terms of your returners. GLH4VU asks, with three likely leaving and four coming in, who is most likely to hit the portal? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the three leaving, that'd be Chapman, probably Pippen, and, and who else is... Man, I lose track of classes these days with the COVID year. That is That really screws everything up. I think Melora Brown is coming back for a graduate year. So I'm not sure how he's calculated the, the numbers leaving. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't know what your your wild guess is on answering that right now because really it is I just think, that right now. The, the portal hasn't even started yet. So, but any insight you got there would be great. Yeah, well, I think there. I think the other name there would also be Drew Weicker, somebody who won't be back, who yeah. has received some minutes this year. But um, I mean, not not reading too much into it again. I don't know too much about what's going to happen with the portal, but I think if there's a name that makes sense for me, it's Gabe Dorsey only because of how highly he was thought of as a recruit. And when you just look at what might be the most crowded part of the team next year, you know, stack loves Trey Thomas. And I think if Trey Thomas is healthy, he's going to get on the floor just for his shooting ability. Um, you expect Shelby to be out there, Dizoni to be out there. We've seen in a large increase in Tyron Lawrence's playing time because of his uh, just his physique and his big body for defense and some of his athleticism. So that if, if you're looking at Pippen coming back or even not coming back, you're already looking at the backboard. And a guy like Dorsey, who was as highly thought of as he was, you know, he's going to want to 
definitely uh, take a step up in minutes for that sophomore season. So that would be the first guy that I think comes to mind as making sense to try and look elsewhere and see if there's a better opportunity um, at another university. As a sidebar, uh, these plus-minus things can be kind of fluky sometimes in small minutes, but Lawrence was plus 16 in 13 minutes and 19 seconds yesterday. Yeah. No, I mean, I they've really liked what Tyler Lawrence has been doing of late just with his I think trends are important too. You know, Tyron had a had a stretch throughout the middle of the season that he wasn't getting on the court at all. Um, but I think he's really trending in the right direction when Stack has been able to see what the little things that he's been able to do, uh, especially late in SEC play and then uh, throughout the tournament, some of his defensive ability um, and, and good passing. You know, he's not the the best shooter. He needs to work on his perimeter shooting um, and his scoring ability a little bit. But he definitely has the body. Um, and the athleticism to be really, really competitive. And I think that they get that as a good pairing with, with Scotty for sure. Being a, a smaller guard who doesn't necessarily have the ability to guard multiple positions. Okay, Door King and JDI Cav both had the same question. Basically, that's can you shed some insight on Xavier on how Vanderbilt matches up? Xavier is interesting. I mean, they don't do anything great, uh, I think would be my biggest takeaway from them. They're obviously coming out of a very strong conference in the Big East for almost the entire season, thought to be an NCAA tournament team, but faded late and that big upset to Butler in the NCAA tournament kind of put a a dagger into their hopes. Uh, But Biggest story, I think, has to be the absence of Paul Scruggs, their senior guard from Indianapolis, who went down in that Florida game. Uh, he is their second leading scorer. You could argue he's their player in a lot of different ways. I tend to view Scruggs as Jordan Wright with a little bit more seniority. He is that type of player who can fill it up. Uh, the biggest story is to be Jack Newby, who is a Iowa transfer coming in and it, probably will be the closest thing to Liam Robbins that Liam Robbins has seen all season. He's a seven footer, 250 ish pounds. He's their leading scorer, just an absolute specimen down low. Um, so that'll definitely be a challenge is trying to contain him. I mean, they've done some, some good things in the past, but just in terms of a weight standpoint, uh, he, he's going to wreak some havoc down there. And then the other thing is going to be staying out of foul trouble. Xavier gets to the free throw line pretty much at a, at a above average rate and some they rely on. They don't shoot it particularly well, but they know how to get to the foul line. They convert from the foul line uh, efficiently. So just being able to stay out of foul trouble, not letting them uh, muddy up the game a little bit and playing true defense long way. With all scrugs out, it's going to be an, it's going to be a different ball game than uh, I think the Musketeers are probably ready for. Yeah, and if anybody didn't see it, Sean Miller, Miller got that job uh, in a weird turnabout where he gets his old job back. But he, I, obviously he won't be coaching that one. I think it's Jonas Hayes is coaching them or Jarvis Hayes, which I think was Jonas. But anyway, um, JDI Cab wants to know your insight on up-and-comers for next year. I think you kind of hit that, but maybe who takes a big step up for next year outside that, you know, their best five players? Outside, outside of the best 
five players. I think the biggest one, I've been saying it for a, a little bit now, but I really like Shane Dizoni. Uh I, I just think he has the makings of a dominant guard in his athletic ability, uh, his defensive hustle. Um, I, I, he, he can shoot. Uh, I think for him, it's going to be a bit more of the flow within the offense and having the ball in his hands with usage rate. I think Shane is the guy who's going to take a huge step forward. Um, and if somebody, especially if Pittsburgh can have to be around, uh, somebody that stack is going to rely on to, to really control this offense. So if, yeah, I think if you're looking outside of the starting five, Shane is is a guy who I think has potential to, to really make noise in the SEC in the years to come. Uh, as long as he polishes a few things and uh, has some help from his surrounding teammates. Hey, uh, thanks a bunch for your time today, Sam. Any parting thoughts or topics we didn't get to, anything of that sort? No, no I mean, nothing, nothing in particular. Just looking forward to uh, basketball. It's nice here to to be late in March and have some Vanderbilt basketball uh, that's uh, worthy of talking about. I think that's a large garden and get on the national stage a little bit more to showcase what this team has to offer. Yeah, agreed. It, it's been a bit since we had anything like this to cover at this point of the season. Hey, Sam, looking forward to your, your coverage for the Xavier game uh, while I'll go do baseball tomorrow. Uh, but anyway, thanks for your time, and, and we'll probably catch up with you again when this is over to do a, a postseason um, analysis and look forward. And, and so anyway, look forward to doing that. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrisley70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.